0: The Road to Health Podcast, Backroads. Welcome to the Road to Health, Backroads. Now that kids are back to school and settling in, we're revisiting a segment from our Road to Learning episode from a year ago, where we sat down with Sarah Dinklage, CEO of Rhode Island Student Assistance Services, about how RISAS is working to protect Rhode Island youth from behavioral health and substance use risks. Recently, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island committed $1 million over three years to fund this critical work. Let's listen as Sarah explains how RISAS is removing kids' barriers to well-being. Sometimes stress becomes more than a student can handle on their own. When it does, students, especially middle and high school grade students, need a place to turn and frequently, when teens don't find a healthy outlet, they turn to unhealthy behavior such as self-medicating. But Sarah Dinklage has been working for 35 plus years to make sure the path to help is as short as walking down a school hall for kids all over Rhode Island. I'll let her explain.
1: Okay, well, RISAS was established in 1986 to implement a pilot student assistance program based on a national evidence-based model called Project Success. And we started as a pilot in four high schools. Today, we're in almost 39, just about to be 39 high schools and 31 middle schools. Project Success is a substance use prevention early intervention program. So our goal is to prevent mental health challenges and problems and prevent substance use before it starts, before they start, and intervene early with kids who are already experiencing mental health problems and are already using substances. So it's a prevention early intervention program. And we do this by placing these wonderful people, student assistance counselors, right in the school. They're embedded in the school. And what do they do? They they do a range of, of services. Their core is the counseling, the assessment and counseling of students who refer themselves, refer their friends, are referred by teachers and administrators. They also do school-wide awareness and education and outreach, which reaches the entire student population. So, you know, we'll see a smaller segment of the population actually walk in the door of the office, but the student assistance counselor is out and about and visible uh, in the hallways, in school clubs, in their classrooms, and so reaching the entire student population that way.
0: The doors to these counselors are always open, And there's as little barrier between students and help as possible. And while the nature of the work might not surprise you, the types of kids asking for it might.
1: Well, these are middle and high school students, so ages 12 to 18. We are serving 31 school districts, so 31 communities right now, and we're poised to expand in uh, October. And out of those communities, we are serving about roughly 52,000 students have access to a student assistance counselor in their school. So that many students have access to a specially trained person uh, right in their building. And that's really a key to how the program works is that accessibility to this person who can offer confidential services, counseling services, Um, group and individual support, and outreach to families, and referral to treatment if necessary. So the typical profile of a student, if there is a typical profile, because anybody can refer any student. You don't have to have a serious problem, or you can have a very serious problem, anywhere in between. But it's typically students who are struggling in one way or another. They may be living in families where there's mental illness and substance abuse. They may be growing up with a family member with a substance use condition. They may be experiencing mental health problems, and we know that kids will self medicate. Um, They take, you know, they use substances to medicate for anxiety, for depression, for boredom. I don't think that's a mental health condition, but uh, it's troublesome to students. And we also, you know, so for kids who are doing poorly in school, um, they're they're not bonding with anybody or anything in the school. Uh, they're not involved in sports or music or you know activities that protect students from getting involved in high risk behavior. So those are typically the kinds of students that get referred. But we will have, Any, you know, we could have the president of the student council, the captain of the football team, um, you know, in referred and nobody knows what they're struggling with. So we like to encourage self-referrals because the students walk in before everybody is aware of a problem. And then we get those students that about 10 people have referred to us. And it's confidential unless we have to protect you or somebody else. And you can just walk in there's no paperwork, there's no fee, and there's not even active parental consent required. All le- all parents get a letter at the beginning of the school year explaining the program in great detail, the name of the person, their credentials, and they have the option to opt out and say, I don't want under any circumstances my child to see the student assistance counselor. But other than that, a student can walk in. We encourage parent involvement. We start at day one, you know, We'd like to call your parents. We'd like to tell them we're having this conversation. And generally, students will agree, if not initially, eventually. But if we had to get on the phone and inform a parent when a student walks in and says, you know, I got in trouble, you know, smoking pot, this is happening, that's happening, we wouldn't get much business
0: With a history of servicing mental health needs in kids that stretches back to 1986, Sarah has seen consistent success over the years, even in the special challenges that the last few have brought.
1: You could ask any student assistance counselor. Uh, We've seen an increase in numbers of kids who are in mental health distress, you know, mental health, experiencing mental health problems, anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, suicide attempts have all increased. And the acuity, the severity of the, of the problems has increased. So it's not just numbers, you know, prevalence, it's, it's the seriousness. And that has struck everyone in, in my program, you know, the staff, you know, fighting, violence uh, has all increased. And last year, even though it was the first full year back in person, it was literally like kids lost two years of, you know, so sixth graders were acting like fourth graders and ninth graders were acting like seventh graders. And that really threw, I think, the adults for the loops. There was a lack of schooling, um, just a lack of development. Social development is is critical. It's challenging in schools and communities And I believe the key to the success of our program and other programs besides the one I'm talking about is that we take into account the needs of the community and in the case of schools, the needs and the mission of the schools. So it's not the mission of the schools to provide substance use and mental health counseling. never was. The only reason we're there is because we know that those problems mental health and substance use interfere with academic performance and success and I would say, unlike when I first started the program in 1986-87, most administrators, if not everyone, know that that is a number one barrier to student success. So we have to align with the school's mission. We have to talk their language. We can't use our lingo, our clinical lingo, or prevention lingo, and that's very important. Um, we it is important that student assistance counselors are not seen as sort of private entities. I one time had a principal say, we don't want a private practice set up in this school. I said, absolutely not. The person is integrated into the life of the school. They're seen at school events and activities. They start and co-advise student clubs, whole range of different youth leadership activities. And they're seen in the cafeteria, they're greeting students in the morning, they're saying goodbye at the end of the day, and fully integrated.
0: As we wrapped up our chat, Sarah reminisced about some of the lives that rice has touched.
1: Well, there, I, there are so many individual success stories of students, but what really warms my heart is when I hear student assistance counselors tell me, you know, they're in the grocery store. And this is, we have some folks, we have a a large, uh, about, I would say, a little less than two-thirds of our staff are new, like in the last two or three years, because we've been expanding, so that's a new staff. But about a third has been with us for 10, 15, 20, even 30 years. And I love to hear when they're, you know, they're in the grocery store and someone in their 30s, you know, early 40s comes up and says, you know, Mr. So-and-so, you literally saved my life back in high school. And, you know, now they have children of their own. And I'm even, I'm interviewing people for the job when I say, you know, I start with what do you know about our program? Well, I had a student assistance counselor in my school <laughs> growing up and I really used those services or, uh, or you hear people, you know, say they wish they had those services. So it is, and I, I have I have all this testimony of st- things that students have said that we've used for conferences and etc. and exhibits, and you know it's just the statements. I would not have graduated if it weren't for my student assistance counselor. People always ask me why do you why do people stay so long, and I said it's the kids. It's they love the kids, and that's one of the criteria for getting a job as a student assistance counselor.
0: Road to Health is a podcast from Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Rhode Island. It's hosted and produced by me, Mark Sheldon, and Mason Imazar, our sound engineer, with additional support from David Montalvo. I'd like to thank our Backroads guest, Sarah Dinklage, CEO of Rhode Island Student Assistance Services. Be healthy, be well, and keep your eyes on the road.